0: Hello listeners, this is Matt from Uncanny Trex, and I want to take a moment to tell you about our brand new Patreon at patreon.com slash On our Patreon, we offer lots of exclusive content in multiple tiers, including access to our brand new Patreon-exclusive podcast, X-Men 92 vs. Young Justice. On this podcast, we follow the same format as B5 vs. DS9, but with an entirely new focus on reliving the nostalgia of 90s X-Men animated series and comparing it to the fast-paced action of Young Justice. Both of these animated series have recently been renewed for new seasons, so we felt it was a great time to return to these two comic book-based properties. If you're interested in subscribing, please visit us at patreon.com slash treks and you can always reach out to us on Twitter at uncannytrex. Enjoy the show, and as always...
1: Welcome back to the galaxy's greatest podcast about the two great 90s space station shows, Babylon 5 versus DS9. But today we're not talking about either of those two great 90s space station shows. We're instead talking about Star Trek Picard, specifically season two, episode three, Assimilation, which dropped last Thursday. How you doing tonight, Matt? I'm doing all right. Uh, pretty good episode, Bob. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, I, I'm still a little skeptical that they're going to stick the landing, you know, but I got to say, uh, Three episodes in, uh, Star Trek Picard Season 2 seems a lot more promising than Season 1. The characters are, you know, firing on all cylinders. The plot is advancing. It doesn't seem to be quite as weird or annoying as a plot as they did for Season 1. So I'm, I'm happy so far. So, yeah, we, we pick up pretty much
0: with uh, the cliffhanger from last week's episode where everybody got phasers pointed at them, and we think, you know, they're going to not be able to escape.
1: Yeah, and Seven of nine. Shitty, shitty husband, the magistrate, has got him pinned down, but they uh, turn the tables, uh, the security guards, and the magistrates uh, get killed, and uh, RIP to Seven's shitty husband. And I like the way
0: that their phasers disintegrate the bodies completely. Like <laughs> They were able to avoid that whole awkward scene where they have to, like, dump corpses out of the ship or put stunned yeah. people on the brig. Smart. Yeah,
1: we have a pretty good gag, too, where, like, uh, Seven's shitty husband knows that Seven is not the right Seven because she doesn't know his name. And so, you know, he dies with us not knowing his name. So it's a pretty good gag all
0: around. When he smacks her in the face, man, uh, Musiker gets pissed. Yeah, yeah,
1: Musiker does not like that. And then, so, you know, we also, uh, early in the episode, we get a very, we get a crawling Borg Queen, which I thought was pretty great.
0: Yeah, it scared the fuck out of me, Bob. Uh, that that Borg Queen thing where she's like, spider walking with her on her hands with like and then connecting to the ship that was uh that was scary
1: yeah big alien vibes big exorcist vibes it's good stuff i'm enjoying it i'm enjoying it and then we do have uh poor old elnor succumbing to his wounds which you know i gotta say was a bit surprised i didn't expect him to get axed so soon although between the fact that q and uh, time travel are happening you know like it doesn't seem unreasonable to expect that elnor might be back by the end of the season
0: yeah he's not dead the Musiker thinks that the time travel will bring him back to life but I don't, I don't really know how that happens since he was already displaced in time but whatever he'll he'll be back he'll, yeah
1: yeah and in between her uh her would-be girlfriend getting slapped and her romulan boy getting killed uh misakir is not having a good time she gets really really angry About uh, Picard and the games he's playing with Q, which on the one hand, she kind of has a point, but on the other hand, it's kind of like, well, Q is essentially God, so there's only so much Picard could do to discourage him, you know? The Borg
0: Queen, you know, hooks herself up to the ship so they can go back in time. So they go back in time to Los Angeles, 2024. The time travel piece was very cheesy to me, just the way they like zoomed in on everybody's face at some point. Like, I thought that was lame, Mm -hmm. but. Then they show some actual footage of, like, it almost looks like modern-day L.A. Some, uh, mm-hmm. some of the sites were there. And I wasn't aware of this because I didn't watch Voyager as much as you did. But there's apparently mm-hmm. an episode where they went back to L.A. And this is the one with Sarah Silverman in it.
1: Yeah, yes. Yeah, L.A. At like, 1996, I think.
0: Yes, and some of the same locations, there's, like, an observatory and something else, are the same ones you see in that episode
1: oh okay that makes sense that makes sense I, I i didn't catch that i did catch that apparently you know you do see them standing in a homeless uh camp and apparently there is a sanctuary district sign which is you know also a reference to that um that two-parter from uh uh from ds9 uh you know that has the bell riots so i, I didn't catch that either but yeah apparently they have really kind of loaded up on the the 90s shows traveling, traveling back in time to la references
0: Yeah, I saw a clip from that Voyager episode, and man, the outfits they were wearing—it's hilarious. I I want to go back and watch it. now.
1: they had to give Tuvok a do rag to disguise. Yeah, it was was awful. (laughs) It's great.
0: Were they intentionally dressed like that to be funny, or was that legit the style that they were wearing at the time?
1: Because I don't I don't remember any. It was a little of both. Okay, like they make It it's also like. Tom Paris is like a big 20th century head and if I remember right, he dresses them and so it's sort of supposed to be a reflection of like his bad retro taste.
0: Okay because he's wearing like a Miami vice looking kind of get up and I w- yeah, I just thought yeah. Like, yeah it's a little past that all right but yeah, like you were saying they they get to the they get they get back in the past. I don't know where they crashed the ship Bob and Picard acted like he knew what to do but I don't even know where they crashed. Did you catch on to that?
1: I didn't. I didn't catch on to that.
0: I didn't either. A bunch of trees. It seems like people would notice this.
1: <laughs> like, I mean, maybe it's supposed to be a Star Trek Four reference. I don't know. Maybe.
0: I. I don't. I need to. I, I need some clarification on that. But we'll, we'll.
1: Maybe we'll get some later. But there's a lot of funny stuff of them like preparing to go out undercover. So we find out that they have vaccination chips that they have yeah. to cover up, which uh, is you know, it's just the show just dunking on anti-vaxxers, which is right? Funny.
0: Right, and then yeah. just their outfits yeah. where they're, like, picking out different costumes and ripping the patches off stuff. It's hilarious. Like, just, Yeah,
1: Rios is flirting a little bit with Seven. You know, he asked, do I still look like a fascist bastard?
0: <laughs> no, you just look like a bastard.
1: Yeah, that's good stuff. And then, uh, were, you, were you happy we got a, a needle drop of California Dreaming, Matt?
0: Eh, it wasn't, uh, I- I'm a fan of the Mamas and the Papas version, Bob, so
1: yeah I, I i prefer the bobby womack version myself that's the one i think they should have gone with so you've uh you've never seen the wong Wai film chung king expressman yeah but i have no idea what that is not a clue it's a really great uh 90s film uh, from hong kong it uses uh california dreaming by the mamas and the papas as a central plot point
0: okay It's a good movie. It's a good romance movie.
1: And uh, we we get some funny things once they actually beam down, right? So like Seven gets the most heroic uh, arrival you can imagine. Uh, I believe it's a little Asian girl looks at her admiringly and asks, are you a superhero? Uh, In contrast to Rios who (laughs) arrives like half on half off a fire escape, falls off and knocks himself out.
0: Yeah, I thought he was dead. I was like, "That yeah, was a
1: pretty bad fall." When he, like, I mean, when he guy. fell,
0: I was like, "Okay, they're doing this for comedy." But then you see the blood start to pull out of his head, and you're like, "Oh, he's like, this is where they're going." Because and and this this makes sense because earlier, musicers said, you know, you can't go to a hospital, don't get arrested, yeah, yeah. And all these things, because that will affect the timeline. Yeah, so, can't but, let
1: him know about the vaccination chips, Matt.
0: <laughs> but but here but here he is, you know. He's he's already having to go to the hospital.
1: I think it I think it was the best kind of comedy. It was the kind that starts as a comedy, like Seven is having a good time, and uh, and Rias isn't, and then it turns into something more serious. That that to me is the best type of comedy. Yeah. Uh, I really enjoyed how much Musiker is just like over this entire thing. She hates the past. She hates Picard for playing games with uh, Q. Uh, She's struggling to remember what money is. Uh, It's really good. Yeah, she ends up in one of the camps, which was
0: interesting because, if you remember correctly, the issue that Benjamin Sisko and Dr. Bashir had was that they were in one of the camps and couldn't get out. But, yeah... Musiker and seven and I both I think end up in one of the camps and then they just walk out without the issue. So
1: Yeah, although it's it's more just shown as like just like a homeless camp, even though there, yeah. I guess there is a sanctuary district sign, whereas in the in the D S nine two parter past tense where you have the bell riots, it's more yeah, it's more like, oh, these people are all, like, confined to these districts, like, by the police. Right. D-
0: different yeah. cities, so, I mean,
1: they may have just done differently. Yeah, that, that is true, too. Yeah, this is L.A., and that was San Francisco. That's a good point. Yeah. And so, I, I actually really thought this episode was, like, a model of how to do politics with Star Trek. Uh, besides, like, the mild little trolling of anti-vaxxers with the vaccination ships. Um it like really does show like how, you know, just awful and deeply wrong and deeply stupid our society is. You get, this is skipping ahead a little bit, but you know, you see Ria's having to go to a clinic for undocumented immigrants. Um, you, get, you get to see the brutality of the ICE raids. You get um, Musiker being confused by money. You also get her being kind of disgusted about the air pollution and the sort of environmental damage in general. You get the portrait of you know the brutal way our society treats homeless people. And um, you get Musiker kind of making this observation, that's a very Marxist observation, that it's surprising how the society can endure with all these contradictions. And so all this is the right way to do politics in Star Trek, which is to say, to actually talk about real issues, things people care about, things that are making people's lives worse, and you know, imagine a society that solved those. And then there's the other way to do politics in Star Trek, which is uh, when you just fellate the Democratic Party, <laughs> which is uh, what Spoiler's uh, Star Trek Discovery Season 4 finale did this week when they have a Stacey Abrams guest spot at the end of the episode. And so, yeah, I, I really liked this episode, and I really, really hated the Star Trek Discovery episode. I thought it was a useful and productive contrast.
0: I didn't watch the episode, but when you told me about it, I was like, I'm glad I'm not watching Discovery this season, because I'm just... I've been rolling my eyes at the Discovery from the get-go. I... I some of the stuff I'm okay with, but then others like this, I'm just keep actual real politicians out
1: of Star Trek. Yeah, politics is fine, but politicians not so fine. Or even have like I don't know, like you probably shouldn't do a guest spot with AOC or Bernie Sanders. I don't think I would love that either.
0: I wouldn't. I wouldn't either. I would think it's stupid. If Bernie Sanders showed up on Star Trek, I'd be I'd have the same. I think I'd have the same feelings as with Abrams. But at least Bernie Sanders may be kind of funny. <laughs>
1: Oh, also, he wouldn't do it because he doesn't yeah. have any tolerance for bullshit. But exactly,
0: like,
1: <laughs> at least like Bernie Sanders and AOC, like actually like point towards a better future. They're not just like hack Democrats who endorsed Michael Bloomberg. <laughs> like you know, yeah. like, Stacey Abrams is like just the most hack Democrat you can imagine, and it's in
0: Kishinau where Stacey Abrams is running for governor. You know, this year in Georgia, which is where I live, and. You know, I I wouldn't want her opponent David Perdue showing up on Star Trek either. Like, isn't
1: it? <laughs> oh, did, Dave, did David Perdue win the win the governor's primary?
0: Oh no 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 not yet no. But he's like oh, cause he's, he's he, there's nothing but commercials for him. Trump's endorsed him. All this crap. So. so he he
1: is is he still he's favored to beat Kemp in the primary?
0: Oh yeah, most
1: likely. Yeah, if, I, I figured he was favored, but okay, yeah, because the primary probably won't be till like July, right?
0: Right, but. It's just a big cluster.
1: It's just ridiculous. Like if you're a liberal, whatever. But the the Democrats are the second most conservative political party in the developed world. Uh, you're standing for their their hack politicians is embarrassing and. Yeah, it's just, it's super embarrassing. And at least like in the past, Star Trek has had politicians on, on, the one example I can think of is the King of Jordan had a guest spot on Voyager, which was stupid and they shouldn't have done it, but at least it was like a cameo where he was like a science officer in the background more or less. Yeah, It wasn't like, oh, this is the savior of the earth, the King of Jordan, (laughs) you know? Yeah. But yeah, no, Star Trek should be political, but it it should not carry water for an, a mediocre uh, politician for an awful political party. The other funny thing about this is that it's not even, like, a good allegory. Because, like, <laughs> no, because, like, the point is, and you might remember this from Season 3 of Discovery or the early part of Season 4, is that Earth is not in the Federation, right? Right. And you remember how, like, the portrait of Earth has been, like, pretty has shown it to not be a great place right in right. in this far future that discovery is in it's kind of like isolationist and backwards and very and like too defensive like that's been the portrayal but on the other hand they they've shown like they've only shown earth as being led by in this far future in discovery by black women which is fine but clearly the show like wants you to be like oh this is such a paradisical future a paradisical future where Earth is led by black women. But it's like, yeah, but your point is, is that Earth in this far future kind of sucks. Like it's a backwards, isolationist, aggressive place. And so it's it, like they're not even doing the allegory right because they mean to show like Stacey Abrams is like the savior of you know, humanity, but it's like that's not what the plot is saying. So it, they're not even doing it right on its own terms besides the fact that they shouldn't do it.
0: I'm just kind of glad I'd, I stopped watching Discovery after like the third or fourth episode of
1: uh, season four. I, I just... Yeah, Discovery is now the worst Star Trek show. Like I, I, I've had mixed feelings about it because it, it does some stuff very well and some stuff not very well. And it's been kind of up and down. But this is literally worse than anything Star Trek Enterprise ever did. And Star Trek Enterprise did some awful stuff. Like this is so bad.
0: And I kind of like, see, by season three, I was kind of like on the fence at that point where I'm like, okay, I don't really want to watch much of this, but I want to finish it out. And then it got to season four, and
1: I'm like, okay, we're just going to just maybe watch a couple episodes
0: here and in there. So,
1: in some ways, season four did improve. I mean, it did finally start developing some of the bridge characters. It did do better with doing more episodic episodes. So in some ways it was finally improving. Uh, but in other ways, oh boy.
0: All right, so let's let's move away from our Discovery talk for a moment. And we'll talk a yeah. little bit
1: about what's going on back on Picard. I really did enjoy uh, the quasi-assimilated Girardi. That was very good. Um, you know, her talking uh, shit to Picard. Sometimes I want to sedate you just for spite. Yeah,
0: this, that whole scene was very uh, intense. Because you didn't know if Gerardi was going to be fully assimilated by the end of this. And I want to point yeah. out that in the previous episodes, the Borg Queen's looking at somebody. Who did I say she was looking at and staring at up and down?
1: Gerardi. Yeah, yeah. She, she likes that brain on Girati, Matt. Yeah, something's going yeah. on there. I guess I could reply to that by saying, Matt, you in 2024 should get a room. Yeah, we probably should. The, ma- the last kind of big point I had that I enjoyed from this episode is that there's a lot of kind of effective foreshadowing where everybody has to barter. Like you see Seven and Musiker having to barter with uh, with the security guard in order to get into the observatory. You see uh Rios getting hustled by this uh, little guy. He describes as a little vulcan um trying to get his combat back. And then all this is kind of effective uh setting up or effective foreshadowing of Picard having to uh barter with a very flirtatious Borg queen who is po- who is partially possessing Girardi. Yeah, a lot of a
0: lot of parallels there. Yeah, so you know, at the end of the episode, you've got Rios kind of flirting with this doctor who's working on him. And uh, ICE shows up to uh, take out her clinic, which apparently has been catering to, I guess, illegal immigrants is what it's implying, or people who are yes, man, that uh, is documented. It's That's what's implied. Okay, I wasn't quite sure there. I, was... <laughs> I, I, no. I figured we had solved uh, immigration by 2024.
1: But... Yeah, I mean, that, that would have been the time. Uh, Star Trek Picard could have had uh, Brian Kemp uh, leading the ICE raid. That would have been uh, that would... <laughs> That would have been actually very true and very correct uh, to to contemporary Republican Party. Right? No, actually, I'm, I'm actually I'm being unfair. Really, it should have been Stacey Abrams and Brian Kemp leading the ice raid together. That would actually <laughs> be a, a, an accurate representation of uh, the two parties in American politics right now. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. I, Brian I, Kemp's I, like, I'm going to deport these immigrants, and Stacey Abrams is like, I'm going to deport twice that number.
0: Somebody needs to make a meme like that, please. We we would greatly appreciate it, showing the comparison. I,
1: I may I may try to make that meme.
0: <laughs> All right. So anything else? I mean, that and then the episode ends with uh, you know Rios being arrested, uh, along
1: with his doctor friend. We were complaining a little bit last episode that they kind of had the the cliffhanger and didn't just go ahead and do the time travel, but. I got to say, I was I was kind of surprised by the efficiency of how they got out of the cliffhanger and then went ahead in time travel. They didn't really dally in the kind of altered timeline where Earth was fascist. So that that was pleasant. And then, yeah, it's a pretty good and efficient uh, introduction of them in 2024. Like you say, a lot of references to prior stuff, definitely to Voyager and DS9, maybe to Star Trek Four. So, yeah, it's uh, good stuff. Good stuff. Well, we'll be back next week with Episode four. Yeah, yeah, and uh, thankfully we, uh, we may never have to talk about Discovery again because uh, I, don't, I don't know if I can keep talking about it after this episode. My God. <laughs> All right, so this has been uh, Babylon 5, the galaxy's greatest podcast about the two great 90s space station shows. Uh, but this week we were talking uh, Star Trek Picard, Season 2, Episode 3. I am Bob from Cascadia. That's Matt from the Southland. We're part of Uncanny Treks. Have a good night, everybody. Thanks,
0: Thanks for listening.